Welcome to Pumpkin Spice Podcast. It's a, uh, I guess, a year-round treat for fans of horror films. I'm Rob Schulte. And I'm Graham Young. Yeah, that's right, Rob. We expanded the show. It is on its way. It's a, it's a <laughs> slight incline, but it's, it's getting there. Yeah. Uh, well, we're, we're, no, we're no Joe Bob Briggs, but uh, uh, you know we're comfortably living in that shadow. <laughs> Absolutely. Graham, I got to tell you, I am happy to have you back on the pod, man. Yeah. And a- well, I was just going to say I was getting kind of nostalgic, Rob, doing this uh, film series that we're about to debut because um, it reminds me of good old Kansas, even though this movie takes place in Nebraska and possibly Stephen King's only story to take place in Nebraska. Most of his stories take place in Maine. Yes, maybe that's why it's, uh, I don't know. Well, I was going to say it's like stereotypical, uh, like corn country, but I mean, all the main ones are stereotypical Maine. Yeah, true. Um, Nebraska is known for their corn. Um, Kansas is sort of known for, I guess, more Milo, where I come from. Uh, Wheat? uh, Yeah, there's some of that, some of that. There's a lot Uh, of wavings of it yeah but there were cornfields and i remember sort of getting lost in the cornfields i'm sure that you experienced that as well growing up in the midwest sure uh, um i was more of a uh, i think you would call me a city boy okay but uh i had family farm lands but it was more soybeans i think okay well, my uncle also caught raccoons and then would sell the skins I have a question for you. Was your uncle ever attacked by a group of children uh, in a small town? Uh, I don't think so. At least, if he did, he's still living. Um, so, in case you haven't guessed, Rob, what are we talking about uh, this season? Or this franchise session, yeah. I guess. I don't know what, yeah, what to call this. We're going to talk this. about the Children of the Corn franchise because last I saw, I think there's a lot of them. And yeah, and I thought it would be fun to uh, go through them all. You know, put some of the episodes here, some of the episodes there, and uh, you know, you're happy to join in. You got some time to be on the show, and I'm loving it. Brittany's got to sit this one out uh, due to prior obligations, but she'll be back in with us as well. And uh, it's going to be a whole lot of fun because uh, Children of the Corn is weird. Yeah, and first impressions, Rob, like. This, this movie sort of has a cult following. Um, I think it's sort of more famous for its ideas rather than the story itself, you know? Because ah. the, the movie's kind of, uh, well, I mean, would you recommend this? Yeah, oh yeah. I mean, we'll get a little bit more into that towards the end. Sure. But overall impressions? My overall impressions were... A little bit boring, a little bit slow. Uh, a lot of things seemed a bit heavy-handed, but it was shot really well. It looked really good, except for some of the special effects. And it was a fun story, even though it was went off on some different tangents that I don't... I would, Different things that I, I, I think they didn't have enough money or time to expand as far as they needed to. Interesting. Well, do we happen to have a uh, quick synopsis that we could look at in case... uh, People uh, don't know the story to the film? Exactly. Yeah. Well, I like. you know what I like to do is I like to go to the Internet Movie Database and 
look up a user-generated storyline that pops up. And uh, this one is by someone named Emon Green. And it goes, A boy preacher named Isaac goes to a town in Nebraska called Gatlin and gets all the children to murder every adult in town. A young couple have a murder to report, and they go to the nearest town, Gatlin, to seek help. But the town seems deserted. They are soon trapped in Gatlin with little chance of getting out alive. Now, see, here's the thing. There's some crucial stuff missing from this storyline, but I guess it kind of gives us an idea. Yeah, a a small town inhabited only by children, and we start finding corpses of adults. Yeah, I mean, at the very beginning, we see all of the kids kill the adults in town. Which is, which our, our, our narrator doesn't even seem to give a shit. At all. At all. I mean, he sees his father murdered right before his eyes, and he's just like, I think he's continuing to eat his meal. Yeah, I think so. It's ridiculous. I don't I don't know. Um, <laughs> he looks like the kid from, uh, do you remember the Dennis the Menace movie from the 90s? Yes. With when, uh, like, Walter, uh, Walter Matthau. Like, yeah. yeah, but when Christopher Lloyd is like walking up to that kid at the beginning, he's like, what do you got there? And the kid just looks up and he's like, uh, apple. Like, that is what the kid reminds me of in this scene. I wouldn't be surprised if they're possibly related. We'll get back to you on that after a little bit of research. Now, Graham, this year, I feel like, um, I feel like we, well, we went a little segment heavy over autumn. And I kind of feel like that shaped what this show can be. And I kind of want to cut it up. And speaking of cutting up these segments... Uh, everyone loves some fun factoids. In this segment, I like to call Cutting Class. In this school, you don't die trying. You just die. Okay. All right. Now, Graham, did you come prepared with your standard factoids about 1984's Children of the Corn? Uh, absolutely. Uh, oh, bring them so, at me. So, um... Yeah, so some quick factoids. Um, this came. Uh, this was a short story that you could find in Stephen King's Night Shift, which, Rob, I don't know if you noticed, was actually on the dashboard at the very beginning of the film. Not Ooh, so subtle. Double factoid. Yeah, it's a double factoid for you, folks. Um, of Bert and, and Linda's car, like when they're driving? Yes. Cool. Af- right before they uh, hit the kid, but the kid was already dead. Whatever. that We'll yeah. get into that in a little bit. <laughs> I want to get sidetracked here. Um, I also wanted to point out um, one of the highlights of the film, definitely the highlight of the film for me, uh, John Franklin, uh, the guy who plays Isaac, right? Yeah, um, yeah. So he suffers from uh, a growth hormone deficiency, and he was actually 24 years old. Whoa. Filming this movie. Um, That's why he was a good actor, you think? Oh my God, he's amazing. And I read basically like his biography is that he was an actor in this. He's also known for Cousin It in the Adams Family movies. Oh, whoa. Yeah, that's him. So, quite possibly so, the best role in the film. Yeah, I know, right? So, um, he loved acting, but he wanted to get into teaching so he gave up his acting career and went into teaching and then after a couple of years of that i believe he quit that and went back to acting and as he I should he's a total pro and i 
I've learned, and we will sh- we will soon discover in the podcast, Rob, that he returned to the series in 1999 with Children of the Corn 666, Isaac's Return. Whoa. Those are some apples, and how about them? <laughs> um, you know that this story, the, uh, the Children of the Corn story that was in Night Shift, was published in Penthouse before that? Oh yeah, I'm I'm looking here. Yeah, uh, that's yeah. I've actually amazing. got my penthouse open in front of me right oh, now. Oh man, I know your collection is pretty awesome. And I mean, <laughs> honestly, Rob, that would be maybe worth something to have the penthouse with it, where that story was first published. Would be kind of an interesting uh, sort of uh, uh, collectible Stephen King item to to have. Water cooler talking point. Uh, possibly, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Grant, um, now you know that I don't have that. Uh, all of my vintage porno mags are used as paper mache wallpaper in my new apartment. Oh my gosh, it's very inviting, especially uh, I, people that have never been over before. Uh this is totally off subject. I, I no, 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 I, I want to bring it on. No, 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 no. I don't. I don't want to get off subject. I, we will, and we won't put it in the episode. It's a total whatever. Um, but no, Cameron, Cameron makes the, is the judge of this. <laughs> okay. Well, this is mostly going to bring things down. Like I, for some reason, and I don't know why, um, I ended up watching this documentary on Jeffrey Dahmer. It's like when you're watching YouTube videos and they start a new one, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. And you're up getting chips or something. Yeah. And this thing, and I was like, okay, Whatever, and I started watching a little bit of it, and I was going to turn off. I don't get, I'm not much into serial killers or whatever, but um, pretty disturbing stuff. And I did read Rob that he had wallpapered uh, pornography uh, in his bedroom walls, and that the two films that he used to watch before he would go out and kill were uh, Return of the Jedi and Exorcist Three, both the third part of a trilogy. Interesting. Again, I don't know if this will make the show or whatever, and it's pretty profoundly disturbing. But, um, but yeah, fun factoid. That also kind of would have to. I mean, that would have to say that like someone, he would have had to have made note that he watches those two movies. Oh, but I guess he had that long like interview session in jail too, didn't he? Where he yeah. probably. What's that dude's name? I don't want to get it wrong. It's something like. Park Dietz or something. He's that famous like um, psychiatrist, psychologist. I but he studies like serial killers, uh. and, and he interviewed this guy. And I guess that they watched uh, Return of the Jedi and uh, Exorcist Three like fifty times, and he would point out things that in the movie that made him want to do the things that he did. That. It's insane. It's insane. I'm sorry for bringing this up. Okay. I'm sorry for bringing it down. I want to bring I'm it back up again. In, I mean, like, that's, that's, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> like, I'm more focused on, like, why those movies? And that's not even the, this, this is terrible. There's so many other, like, terrible things to focus on there. But, but why those two films? Yeah. And why the third in the series? Um, uh, God, yeah. It, <coughs> they kind of, I mean, it's his, Obviously, it's his, you know, warped perspective, you know, interpretation of these films. But um, he saw the Darth Vader mask as a skull painted black. 
So he would do these terrible things and take these people's skulls and spray paint them black. And he thought that, that the movie was telling him to, to make like Darth Vader skulls or something. Oh man! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, <laughs> it's it's not the 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 most positive of uh, topics. I'm, I'm and how we got into Jeffrey Dahmer on a Children of the Corn uh, episode is quite. Uh, I believe I made a passing comment about using vintage uh, smut rags as oh, uh, as wallpaper. Wallpaper. Yeah. Well. Well, that was cutting class. We learned a lot of fun facts yeah, about Children of the Corn God. and Jeffrey Dahmer. Yes, geez. as a bonus, I say. Yeah, I guess. I guess. Okay, I, we'll see if we have any listeners after this episode. <laughs> Graham, we're gonna have so many more people. Have been they've been banging on the doors. Where is Graham? Oh, anyway, have they really? Are, are they pissed that I something I said? Probably that comment that I made about uh, Predator Two being better than Predator One. If <laughs> I could, if I could retract any statement. On the podcast thus far, we all say things, Grant. Well, I w- actually went back and revisited uh, Predator One, and it is Predator Two is great, but okay. Predator One is is superior. Okay. <laughs> when I get around to watching them again, uh, you know, this so many years later, I'll uh, ring in with my opinions, Graham. I think it's time we move on to our next segment of this episode. And that's okay. a segment called Things That Make You Go Hmm. Things That Make You Go Hmm. Yes. And there are lots of things that make me go hmm in this movie. Rob, was there anything particular? Let's start with you. What, what uh, it, things in particular did, stood out to you? Well, there was a couple of things. But I think that... Okay, so... I originally thought, like, this movie has a huge editing flaw because I was watching it late at night, and it turns out I had actually nodded off for, like, five minutes. Because <laughs> I went back and uh, I was like, I need to make sure that this is correct. And I was incorrect. But I'll tell you what it was at the time when I made this note in my phone. Okay. And that's... Uh, when Malachi is like very bloodlusty and like goes to the center of the town, like yelling for Bert, and he's got Linda, and he's like, ah, "Come out!" or whatever he's yelling at that point. Yeah, I should also mention this movie's on Hulu right now, so if anyone wants to go watch it, they can. But anyway, we've, so, we've given it a glowing review so far, Rob. Oh, of course. I mean, it was fun. Yeah, but. I guess I nodded off there because the next thing I woke up was like a fade into or a scene change into all of the kids back in the cornfield with the giant crucifix. And I was Mm. like, so what was he yelling for? Like, did he find him or not? I guess not. But they're not talking about him not finding him. They're talking like they did find him. Yeah. And I was like, are, do they think I'm just supposed to piece this together? I can, but it doesn't seem done well. And the next morning, I was like, I'm turning this off for now. And then I rewound it. And I was like, oh, they did, like, Bert comes out. And they well, there's, like, two more scenes. I thought you would have learned that from your Friendly Fire podcast, Rob. You know, uh, you uh, were on watch and you fell asleep and you missed yeah. some shit. I know, man. You, you can't fall asleep crazy. on watch. Oh, man, Friendly Fire's been going pretty well lately. We just had our first year anniversary. 
Oh my gosh. And congratulations. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but we did two Paul Verhoeven movies in a row. Yeah, uh, you told me, Rob, and uh, I make this. This is no surprise to anyone that knows me. Uh, I I believe strongly that Paul Verhoeven is the greatest living auteur director. Well, it's because of all those group shower scenes. <laughs> yeah, um, the thing about Paul Verhoeven is that you know, like his blockbuster Hollywood films are like art films. And his art films are art films. Like he, like he's a a true artist. I feel. I, I, you know, you you reviewed RoboCop, and uh, what was the other one? You Black oh, Book. Black Book, which is, uh, yeah, I mean, German film, right? Well, it's from the it's from the Netherlands. Or no, it's Netherlands. The Netherlands yeah, yeah, and it's the only film to which in the Netherlands they have um, the Golden Calf, and that's that thing sort- from the Ten Commandments. Pretty much, yeah, and okay. you, that's like their highest uh, honor for the from for the films of the Netherlands, and uh, Black Book is the only film to win uh, Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actress, and was hailed as pretty much being the greatest film from the Netherlands. Whoa. Even th- even though Paul Verhoeven directed uh, the greatest. Uh, the, the highest grossing film from the Netherlands in 1973 called Turkish Delight, which is one of my favorite movies from him. And it still to this day has not been topped. I had some Turkish Delight the other day. It's delicious. But the movie, Graham, is it delicious? It's it's wonderful. I, I would say it's uh, top three uh, Paul Verhoeven for me. Well, we'll see when I eventually watch it. Again, we're supposed to be talking about Children of the Children Corn. Children of the Corn. And we're going from Jeffrey Dahmer to Paul Verhoeven. Um, well, you need to tell me your thing that made you go, hmm. Well, I have a couple. And I don't know if I can. I don't want to spend too much time on this, but I'll go through these as quick as I can. Okay. All right. Um, so, Rob, if you thought that you'd run over a kid with your car, uh-huh. would you put the kid in your trunk and drive away? No. Like, what the fuck were they thinking? Yeah, like I honestly, in a real life scenario, one of them stays with the child and one of them drives to get the authorities, right? Yeah, but then they give up on that idea and they just drive away with the kid in the trunk. Yeah, and he like justifies it some way to like, I don't know, we have to find the authorities and... It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's ridiculous. And there's, there's, I don't know, like if, let's say that you're a police officer and you pull over someone and you find a body in the trunk of the car, what do you think? Yeah. And I mean, it's, <laughs> there's going to be a lot of, um, he's got some splaining to do. Let's just yes. put it that way. Uh, but what I else digress. you got? You said you had another thing that made you go, hmm? I, I got, I got a couple more, a couple more. I'll go through them as quick as I can. Um, so, um, the funniest part to me, Rob, and I was laughing out loud revisiting this film, is so that kid in the middle of the street, he had tried to escape, right? Mm-hmm. And there was there was a lookout, and there was this little girl, and she was the lookout. And to give him the all clear, she goes, she screams at the top of her lungs, nobody's looking, nobody's <laughs> looking, nobody's looking. And you see him run through the cornfield, and it's like hilarious. Like she basically just gave him away, yeah. you know? It's amazing. And I laughed hysterically. I thought that was great. Uh, I think that's a bigger thing about this whole movie, though, is that 
even though it's not really that great, and we'll get more to that later, um, the a lot of times the kids still act like kids. Yeah. You know? Well, and that brings me to my last one, Rob. And that's if you've ever had, like, kids, nieces, nephews, cousins, um, and you told those kids that you could wear whatever you want to wear. Yeah. It would, it would probably be some kind of goofy crazy stuff that really doesn't match it's just stuff they like and in yeah and they'd the be corn, looting that town a lot more yeah exactly but the thing about it is they're all dressed like they're amish is that part of like the their cult religion that they oh are? you know what rob i didn't even think about that um maybe that is their kind of like amish cult not the the amish are cults but sort of like the the same sort of dress code it's just their standard everyday dress yeah but i just thought that was again weird because you know having like little cousins if you tell them hey put on some clothes they're gonna be like wacky clothes you know stuff that doesn't match or whatever they just think it looks cool yeah that is that kind of like uh it's kind of like our next segment, Maniac. Maniac. It will tear the life out of you. Which well, is, as you know, the craziest thing a character does in the movie. And if it's a good guy, it's a maniac cop. But, yes. Uh, do you think that that's the craziest thing that happens? Is those kids uh, wearing those clothes? Uh, the craziest thing in the movie for me, um, or the, the craziest thing a character does. Um, yeah, that that was the big red flag. Uh, well, no, the, the putting the the kid in the trunk of the car. That That's decision, what I said too. That that well, yeah, I'm looking. I didn't I didn't want to steal your answer, Rob. But I mean, that is the go to. Uh, I mean, what the hell were they thinking? Yeah, well, the fact that like. Okay, so if we give them the benefit of the doubt that, like, in the heat of, like, confusion and panic, doing that thinking they can get to a town in, like, five minutes, right? But then leaving the kid in the trunk the entire movie and never mentioning it again. Okay, so I wanted to ask you, because, like you, I was watching this late at night, and I may have snoozed. Did they ever take that body out of the trunk? Of the car. I hope that I was paying attention. I don't ever remember that kid coming out of that trunk, man. Oh, my God. I mean, they just leave him there. Yeah. We, we, we've talked a lot about films that have some really, you know, grotesque violence. I wouldn't say that Children of the Corn has that. But was there any scenes in the film, Rod, that made you go, ew, Oh, like in our segment, Ring Ooh? Ring Ooh. Yes, that's what I'm talking about. (laughs) Ring Ooh, that's gross. I think the thing that, like, I was at the very end when there's that jump scare of the girl with the perm and the knife in the backseat of the car. Yeah. And then that whole segment, I probably rewound that and watched it three or four times. Yeah. It was just so bizarre, and I was like, oh, God. Because it just... <sighs> you know how you can like set the tone for a movie towards the beginning? I feel like you can do the exact opposite of that with an ending like this. 
Mm-hmm. Like I was sitting there like, uh, you know, not so bad, not terrible. Like it, it is what it is. I'm having fun. And then I saw that and I was like, God, did they just like get the word that they had to stop filming that day? So better wrap it up. And it then like just- had to shoot some scene. Basically, I think that both the editor and director were finishing the film and they looked at each other and shrugged and said, whatever. But I mean, was that, do you think that was like in the script? Like that was the ending? Um, I don't think that they knew how to end it. And I think they were probably rushed and they had to come up with an idea and they needed a scare. You, you know, when you're doing a horror film, you want to give the audience one last scare to, to sure. so when they're when they're in the lobby. I was thinking their car was that. gonna turn into a giant Malachi and drive them off a cliff. Um much like in Nightmare on Elm Street. Yes. Yes. Um, but what about um well, maybe like going to another town and seeing the same thing and then finding out that that's all over the country? Like that's yeah, a scary. Like the children ending. are taking over. Yeah, that's how you would end that film, in my personal opinion. I think that's how it should have ended. And maybe the Isaac as the god, like the one behind the rose or whatever, would see his face in the sky, looming over and laughing maniacally at over all these tiny midwestern towns. Or yeah, great plains. Yes, I mean that's that is a better ending. Or having just Malachi in every town, like they can't escape him. Like he's just there with his goofy little hat. Oh, dude, I I want to give a special uh, tip of the hat today to John Franklin. A tip uh, of that perfectly circled hat. Oh gosh, dude, that guy really is like a born actor. And every scene he in, he's in, it's just like, it's like he is the star of the show, man. Okay, Graham. Um, I have to ask, do you know how the story ends? Because I was doing a little bit of reading online. I haven't read the story. Um, I read it years ago. I'm sorry I didn't do my research. From what I remember, both the the boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, they they Bert die. and Linda? Yeah. They both die in the Yeah, in I the think they get story. like slaughtered, right? Yes. I, I can't read I, I think I think I think that basically the boyfriend finds. Oh, and I the, keep saying Bert and Linda. It's Bert and Vicky. Oh, Bert and Linda Hamilton. Obviously. Yeah. How dare you? <laughs> uh, but Bert finds Vicky's dead body, and then um, he looks up, and I think they're gonna kill him or something. And that's the last thing he sees. Okay. I, Wait, what was the? I, it's been of- years since I've read that, though, Rob. I could be totally wrong. Well. You know what? If anyone has something to say, I suggest. Yeah, prove me wrong. Us. Prove me wrong. Well, and I think in the form of a five star rating and review, click five stars, and your review can be like, "Hey, love the show, but you know, Children of the Corn, the book or the story actually ends this way." Yeah, just be like, "Hey, Graham's a big old jerk. He had it totally wrong. It's actually this." Da da da. Anywho, but Graham. I think we should just move on to our second to last segment here, uh, The Thing. We found something. We found something. We found something. Which is Uh. your big takeaway. Did you have, like, a lasting takeaway after watching this version of uh, a Stephen King film? 
children well, yeah. of the corn. Yeah, and Rob, I'll tell you, you know, you sort of mentioned it at the beginning of this podcast when you said that the visuals were pretty decent. And um, there's some that are just beautiful. And I'm talking about the crucifixion scene at sunset with all the torches in the cornfields. It's a yeah. beautiful, 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 beautiful shot. Um, and it does sort of capture that small town um, vibe. So... That's sort of my big takeaway. I think that the filmmakers uh, did that right. I mean, it, it looks and feels like uh, small town America. For sure. I love everything about that. And I mean, you can't tell me, Graham, with both of us being from Kansas, like Sunday morning, walking around a small town in Kansas, it is deserted, much like that. Yeah. Uh, my thing was that if you look at this, versus you look at children of the corn versus the shining let's say they obviously differ from the writing but keep the same idea and i the question that comes to mind that maybe you can help me out with here is like does it come down to the shining had a bigger budget and so they could afford stanley kubrick and then they could afford that hotel you know that setting and that if Children of the Corn had a similar budget and they could get a director like Kubrick onto it, that maybe it would be different? Or is there more Is there more to it than that? Well, I, I may just be a, a Kubrick, a fan of Kubrick, but I think that, in, you know, I think he could do a Nightmare on Elm Street movie and, and make it. Not that the, or a, um, let's say, uh, the next uh, Child's Play film. Sure. And it would be nominated, you know. Um, but I can't remember who released children of the corn but um with as far as the shining goes i mean that was a warner brothers prestige picture at that time i mean you had arguably uh the world's most famous director working with the world's most famous actor at that time you know Mm -hmm. um and you know, that movie had a huge budget and, you know, so there were, that movie had a lot of things going for it. And it, like you said, there's some huge differences um, between uh, that and the the movie and the book. And I think to answer your question, I think what The Shining has that um, Children of the Corn doesn't have, and it doesn't really come down to budget. I think that you have to have a filmmaker that knows what translates well to film and what doesn't well and if you just take a look at like it being a job versus like investing you know a part of yourself into it and that's like a very amoebic way of putting it but okay we've got this script we're gonna do it let's hire out each little bit and then everyone clocks in and goes to work they know they might do their job very well but it does seem a little bit by the books whereas Mm -hmm. There's mystery with Shining. It's two by the book. Yeah, maybe that is true. And just to answer your question, this uh, Children of the Corn was distributed by New World Pictures. Oh, they went bankrupt in the mid-80s, didn't they? I believe so. Um, Production company was Angelus Entertainment Group, Cinema Group, Hal Roach Studios, Inverness Productions, Planet Productions. Okay. Yeah, I'm somewhat familiar with that. I, I... Eight hundred thousand dollar budget, not bad. Box office is fourteen point six million. 
I mean, all they really had to do is find like a, a, a small deserted town and you'd be surprised how many we have those in Texas. Yeah. Well, there was a remake of this in 2009 for like the sci-fi channel. I wonder if it's even worth it. But it's not a part of this franchise person. No, it was just a remake of the okay. original story. Okay. And there was actually a 1983 version of this too that was like a short film that's like 30 minutes. Different title though. What was the title? Hey, Graham, it was called The um, Disciples of the Crow, which might also have been called The Night of the Crow at a certain point in time. A couple passing through a small Oklahoma town discover that it has been taken over by a homicidal cult that worships a crow god and that all the cult members are children. Hmm. Interesting. If I can find that short, I might... I'm going to add it to my watch list. Yeah, please do. I'm going to try to do the same, and maybe we can do a uh, follow-up on that. Graham, so I think we should probably get down to it and rate this boyo, rate this film, right? Uh-huh. So I think we should get it through these categories, right? Was it a scream? A good movie. Is it Living Dead? Just okay, but could still be entertaining. Is it Misery? Which is bad and no fun. Or the swing category Vampiros Lesbos, which is just fun for the whole family. Exactly. That is the best vampire movie ever made. Um, I would say that this is Living Dead. This is just okay, and parts of it are entertaining. Yep, I'm right there with you. Uh, Worth a watch, especially if you have nothing pressing. Uh, We've said it a bunch before. Shot well, looks fun, except for some of the... Well, even the special effects are just funny and fun. And... Yeah, I mean, it's the type you could of movie get up you, and go to the bathroom, come back, and not have to pause it. Yeah, I, I was just gonna say that, Rob. It's the type of movie that you watch while you're doing the dishes or yeah. making dinner or something. You know, it's it's not something that you're. It's not Bergman. You're not gonna be like just fixed on the screen. You know, Malachi Birdman here. <laughs> yeah, um, and really quickly, uh, Malachi is played by Courtney Gaines. I don't yes. know if you remember him, but uh, uh, I most remember him. I remember him most from uh, the Burbs. Oh yeah, he's the one who finds the femur, right? Yeah, I guess he doesn't find the femur. And Bruce Stern uh, threatens to uh, kill him at the end of the movie, and threatens to use his <laughs> Vietnam uh, skills or whatever his martial arts skills. Oh, God, that he learned in Vietnam. Yeah, it's great. It's a great movie. Oh, man, the burbs. That'll be a fun... We should do that for a bonus app. Yes. It's pretty scary. I was scared of it when I was a kid. And here's some really quick trivia for you, Rob, to end the show. Um, So, Bruce Stern, we were just talking about him. He replaced uh, Burt Reynolds in Quentin Tarantino's new movie, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, really? Yeah. Burt, unfortunately, didn't get to film any of the scenes for the film. So he was replaced by Bruce Dern, which I think is pretty solid. Although I would love to have seen Bert in the role. Well, maybe in another life in another dimension, we should also look up dimensional shifting movies. I think those could be cool. We do horror a lot. I'm thinking like ghost movies, dimension movies. Those are all scary as well. And in one of those, maybe you'll have a Burt Reynolds version of that Tarantino film. Yes. There we go. That was a lot to chew on right there. Sorry. A lot of thoughts in my head. Graham, before we end the episodes, I'd like to go to the Letterboxd website that you showed me last year, year before. 
And I like to find a review of all the movies that we watch. And, you know, you may have found one as well. Um, but if you didn't, here's one that I found. They gave it, they gave Children of the Corn two stars. It was watched by Mad Matt Review on uh, the 19th of May in 2012. And his review goes like this. God bless those kids. They tried so hard. Isn't that great? Yeah. I know that was a great review. <laughs> um, I think I have one here. Um, let me see. Uh, this is from uh, my friend Evan. Uh, okay. And he wrote on Letterboxd, this is like my ideally, idealized version of the Florida Project. <laughs> Uh, pure magic, and I'm I'm only quoting bits from his review. I'm not reading the whole thing, but yeah, uh, good stuff. What's Matt's screen name on there if they want to read the whole thing? Uh, Evan is just or under, sorry, Evan um, Schlock Value. Is that S C H? Yeah. Okay, that's great. I love it. That is great. Okay. Um, but yeah. Um, anyway, uh, Rob will be going through this entire series and. Uh, at the end of it, we'll all be in the middle institution. Yeah. Well, uh, I should let everyone know that this is a public episode, but we're going to be going every other. So the next episode is going to be uh, for Children of the Corn, the second, uh, whatever, the second part two. I don't even know what it's called yet. I haven't looked it up. I'm that green on it. Children um, of the Corns. Is that what it is? No, I don't know. Um, that'll be a patreon episode so if you're a patreon subscriber you can get on that feed and hear part two then part three will be public four behind the paywall and so on so that's the best way to show your support for this show if you're listening to it it's five dollars we'll give them bonus episodes and a whole lot more we also, you'll get any future bonus episodes from the TV show show, a uh, show I do with Brittany about television. Um, it's really fun. It's great. And uh, it really helps us keep the lights on here over Pumpkin Spice Podcast. Graham, but did you know that if they don't want to support us that way, which is totally cool, they can go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star rating and review? That's cool. Yeah, totally. And Rob, I did want to point out that it's no longer a pay wall. It's now steel slats. So it's a pay fence. So you can just slide it on through there. Yeah, exactly. Easy to break in too. Graham, um, do you do you know how to gamify it? Do you have anything you want people to leave as a review besides uh, what we had stated earlier this episode? Uh, yeah, just let us know what you think of the show, and um, you can check out uh, my game show, uh, Total Runtime, on YouTube. That is Total Runtime, or TRTATX. Yeah, uh, I'll tweet out those links. Um, I'm at Rob K. Schulte on Twitter, and Graham posts those links on Facebook. So go there, and you can find it. Love the game show, Graham. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, there we go. So, um, until next time, folks, um, don't go uh, anywhere near children. Ever. Ever. And uh, read Needful Things if you've got a, an itch for some more Stephen King. Yes. And um, what else about Stephen King? Um, I'll, we'll, I'll have some more. We'll have some Stephen King stories okay. uh, com- coming soon. <laughs> Uh, I, wa- I saw a lecture by Stephen King, and it was amazing. So keep listening. We'll, we'll, we'll get into those stories later on. Awesome. Okay, I'll talk to you later, Graham. All right, peace. Peace.